If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 18. We're working our way through day by day. It's a series on how to know the will of God, and I know I've preached about seven messages on the will of God, so we want to uh, dwell a little longer on how to know and enjoy and express the will of God, and it's day by day. The first day by day, of course, is uh, in, found in Genesis chapter 39, where uh, day by day Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife. She was a wicked woman, probably a good-looking woman, and uh, Joseph was a good-looking man, and the devil tried to set that up. Folks, I want to tell you something. The devil can set up some amazing, awful situations for an affair. And then number two, we ought to not just resist temptation. That's kind of negative, but it's also positive. We need to worship him daily. That's found in Numbers 28 and 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21. And this morning we began another day by day, and that's day by day we need to meditate and obey and respond to the Word of God. And thank God for the Word, amen? I was amazed how long I preached this morning. Probably ran everybody off. Looks like when I get the pulpit at 6.17, I'd be finished in about 40 minutes. But it didn't happen this morning. Because I got caught up in the third heaven about the Word of God. Amen. I don't apologize for it, but I try to be considerate of all you that have children. And so I don't want to kill you, and I don't want to uh, uh, overdo it. But praise God, I'm going to tell you something, friend. The Bible talks about that we ought to be uh, devoted to the Word of God. That's what I want to take up tonight. Let's stand on the Word of God. You're there in Nehemiah chapter 8. Of course, our text is found in verse 18 where it says, Day by day. Verse 18, Nehemiah 8, and to the last day he read in the book of the law of God and they kept the feast seven days and on the eighth day were a solemn assembly according unto the matter. And so the word of God directed them to keep some feast and they did it. Folks, it's one thing to hear the word of God, it's another thing to obey the word of God, amen? Uh, my mother used to have a favorite question, did you hear me? And she didn't mean just uh, audibly, she meant volitionally. She meant, are you going to do what I say do? And uh, back in verse 1, we see that and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of God, which is the Lord had commanded to Israel. This morning I preached on there ought to be a desire day by day for the word of God. And look at verse 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. It's very important to have understanding. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and all the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra scribe stood upon the pulpit of wood, think about it, which they had made for the purpose, the purpose, and besides him stood Maatiah, and Shema, and Ananiah, and Urijah, and Hilkiah, and Maseiah, and his, and his right hand, and on the left hand was Padiah, and Mishael, and Machiah, and Hashem, and Hashbanana. Now, how would you like to have a name like that, Amen. <laughs> Good gracious. I almost did expository reading let y'all have that verse. I'd laugh at y'all. Amen. Uh, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened a book in the sight of all the people. 
where he was above all the people standing on that pulpit. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now listen to this. Maybe that's where we got this custom. And it goes on to say, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Isn't that the object of all preaching? Good preaching. And all the people answered. I like this now. Amen, amen. Y'all want to try that? No, amen and amen uh, with the lifting up of hands. And I knew you'd say that. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Praise God. I mean, folks, these folks were getting in it and they were not just getting with it. They were totally devoted to the word of God. And Jeshua and Bani and uh, Sherebiah and Jamin and uh, Achim and Shabbatha, Hodijah and Messiah and Kelita and Azariah, man, Josedad and Hannah and Pelela and the Levites caused the people to understand the law and the people stood in their places whole time. And they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tishar, and Ezra, the priest and scribe and Levites, that taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. When was the last time you wept because the word of God touched your heart? Some were doing that this morning. Thank God. But listen to this now. This is, this is my favorite verse. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat. Amen. It's biblical. And drink the sweet. Thank God for sweet tea. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy, holy unto our God, Lord, Neither be ye sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the word of God, the yielding to it, that brings joy, and that's our strength. God, sometimes we don't feel like rejoicing, and sometimes we don't even feel like hearing the word of God, but God, we need it. And Lord, we thank you for the results of it. God, we pray, dear God, that we get the right attitude day by day towards the reverence of the Word of God, the respect, the desire, the devotion, and even the declaration of the Word of God to others. God, help us get thrilled about being people of the Word. God, we need a revolution back to the Bible. We need a revival back to the Bible. So God, fill us with your spirit, fill us with your word, that we might rejoice and let the joy of the Lord be our strength. We'll thank you in Jesus' name for all that you do in and through this message from the word of God, amen. You know, this morning, I was halfway through Psalms 119, and I just shut it down. Just think if I'd have went all the way through Psalms 119. We might still be here. I know we've been late for the deacons meeting at 4.15. And, but, you know, the Bible tells us that in Psalms 119, if you'll turn over there just real quick, the longest book in the Bible about the Bible, 
And I'll just quickly go over this and finish what the Lord laid on my heart to share with you this morning is that we need to hide the Word of God in our heart. The word hide doesn't mean you just hide it where you can't find it. It means treasure. We need to treasure the Word of God in our heart. And folks, the Bible tells us in Psalms 119 verse, I believe it's 11. Yeah, Psalms 119 verse 11 about hiding the Word of God in our heart. And here's the results of it. It says, Thy word have I hid or treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This book will keep you away from sin or sin will keep you away from this book. And I know I made some people mad this morning. I know I did. I, I'm, I'm positive, but that wasn't the point of the message. Is that folks, listen, no matter what occupies our time, if that occupation drives us from the Word of God, diverts us from the Word of God, detours us from the Word of God, and dampens our appetite, it is not right. right. I battle it, you battle it. And I want to say this, friend, the only key to victory is treasuring the Word of God, right. meditating day and night, day by day, obeying the Word of God, living out the Word of God, uh, letting the Word of God be the parameters of your life. Let it be the guideline, the lamp, and the, and, the, and the light. And then here's one that I want to give you, and especially those that are grieving that's listening in. In Psalms 119, verse 74, we ought to hope in the Word of God. We should hide the Word of God. We ought to be grieved, as I ended this morning, when men disobey the Word of God. But we ought to hope in the Word of God. You know, the Word of God gives us hope because the Word of God reveals to us God. This is God's story. This is God's image. If you don't see God in every page, you need to reread it. If you don't see God in every book, you need to reread it. This is God's story. And thank God in Psalms 119.74, 119.74, the Bible says that, that they, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I have hoped in thy word. It's not a hope I think so, but it's a hope I know so. It's a hope chest. Uh, folks, we have a hope chest. We're, we're, de we're deposited in a casket, which is a hope chest of the resurrection, amen? Uh, look at verse 81, please. The Bible says, my soul fainteth for the salvation, but I hope in the Lord. Where's your hope? You know, you hope everything works out. You hope somebody will notice you. You hope somebody will encourage you. Well, I want to tell you something. The Bible says in Psalms 140, 119, 147 that there's hope. It says, but I prevented the drawing of the morning and cried, and I hoped in thy word. I hoped in thy word. Folks, there is no comfort and hope like the hope of God's word. Then right. we ought to meditate in God's word. Verse, verse 99 of that Psalms 119, the Bible says this, it says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I, hey, that, you can have wisdom when you meditate in the Word of God. Right. Folks, in verse 148, the Bible says, Mine eyes prevent the night watch, that I might meditate in thy Word. You know, sometimes you just need to get up when you can't sleep, stop counting sheep, and start counting promises. Amen? Amen? We do everything to try to sleep, amen? Tylenol PM. Uh, they even have this uh, 
gumdrops you can give uh, kids that won't sleep. What's it called? Something. I don't know what it's called. Dope, I guess. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Amen. You can just give them a little of that, praise God. I'll never forget, I used to criticize old Kevin all the time when he'd bring his kids over by himself and he'd, he would give them a sedative on the plane. I took a little child back, I think it was the Bush kids, back from Peru to, to America or was it America to Peru? I don't know which one it was. It was one of the ways. We was going one way. I forgot where we was going. Okay, and uh, man, alive, uh, I said, no wonder Kevin dopes up his kids when they're on the, on the plane. Amen? And he, he just gave them this uh, stuff that all of us take. Amen? It's a little light stuff. But folks, I want to tell you something. When you can't sleep, you ought to quote the Word of God. When you can't sleep, you ought to start counting promises. When you can't sleep, get up and walk the floor with the Word of God in your hand. Amen? Folks, people are worrying themselves to death. That's right. When they could, uh, and, and they're taking dope and they're taking drugs and they're trying to sleep. And folks, you can sleep well if you just meditate on the Word of God. And then, you know, we need to rejoice in the Word of God. I think it's hard to smile in church. I believe it's hard to shout in church. I believe it's hard to raise your hand in church. I believe it's hard to say amen in church. Some of y'all don't believe in that, I know, because you never did it. But I'll tell you something you don't have to shout to be spiritual. It's, how, it's not how high you jump, it's how you walk when you hit the ground, say amen. And some people don't express themselves until they go to a ball game. But the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 162, wonderful verse, they're all good, all 176. But the Bible says, that, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Great spoil. We ought to trust in the word of God. Look at verse 42. Verse 42, just giving you a sample. I'll read more of these next week. Verse 42, it says, So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. I trust in thy word. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Look at verse 67. The Bible says this. It says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Trust and obey. Obey God. And then Psalms 119, 172, and this will be the last one I read out of this chapter. It says in 172, it says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteous. Folks, we talk about the weather. We talk about sports. We talk about church. We talk about people. We talk about everything, but why can't we talk about the Word? And why can't we use biblical language like eternal life? And why can't we quote Scripture to people? I want to tell you something, friend. Your words are comforting, yes. Your presence are comforting, yes. But I want to tell you something. When you get the Word of God out, business picks up. It brings conviction, but it brings comfort. Amen. And so this tonight, I want you to notice in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, in verse 3, that there was devotion to the Word of God. And he read Ezra now on the pulpit of wood, therein before the street, and it was before the water gate, from the morning until the midday. That's quite a few hours, morning to midday. And listen to this, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. That's what a preacher prays for. Not just response, but attentiveness. Hey, attention. Um, we don't preach for response, but it don't hurt, amen, to know somebody's listening, that somebody's getting something out of it. 
We're all just human, I know. But I want to tell you something. In verse 3, the Bible tells me that they weren't time conscious. Morning to midday, that's a long service. I don't know what they counted as morning, and I don't know what they counted as midday, but I imagine it was probably something like 8 to 12. Standing, hearing the word of God, rejoicing in it. No indication they were in a hurry at all. They, didn't, they weren't uh, in a hurry. I'll never forget when I was a child. I was a young teenager, right after I got saved, about 12, 13. We had this family, and it was a couple named the Hesters. They're in heaven now, so they won't mind me telling this. But every invitation, no, excuse me, before every invitation, at 12 o'clock sharp, Mr. and Mrs. Hester packed up their stuff, sitting on the fourth row at Wesley Hills Baptist Church, and walked out of the church. And I was a cocky teenager, and I just wanted to find out why they were walking out of the church. And so I asked my sister <laughs> to find out. And I want to tell you something. That couple, every Sunday, was walking out of the church before the invitation, before the preacher was even finished, because he was a Baptist, going to the restaurant. We had Davis Brother Cafeterias then, and man, you had to beat the crowd. And I want to tell you something. That was a sorry testimony. Amen, because it affected me. It made me mad, sad, and then I got glad when I found out I didn't want to go to Davis Brothers. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's amazing to me that we got time for everything else but the Word of God. How many times have you watched a TV program longer than 40 minutes? Come on, say amen right there, amen. Some of y'all download those series on Prime Video and watch the whole blooming thing to midnight. Oh, y'all never done that? Okay, well, I did. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, you know, Star Wars, one, two, three, four, what are they on now, 10? Amen? And it's the same ship. And it's the same little old yoky-doky thing. And, you know, it's just the same old, same old, same old, Varda, Veda, whatever, amen. Same voice. Probably the same guy in that outfit. Man, we'll just watch it. We'll go to the theater and spend a bunch of money. You know, it costs a lot of money to go to the theater now. Praise God, I ought to preach against that a while. But I want to tell you something. It's amazing how time flies when we're enjoying something. Say amen. Right. It's amazing. The only thing time doesn't fly is when I'm on a trip. I'm going to conquer that trip. I'm going to get there. But praise God, I want to tell you something, friend. How many has ever spent over 40 minutes on the computer? Have you ever had enough nerve to do this? Have you ever had enough nerve at the end of the week to find out how long and how many hours you spent on the computer? How many has ever found out? Raise your hand. Okay, thank you, Brother Jack. You're the only honest person on that side. No, uh, Miss Nail, thank you. Amen. Now, not, these are all guys over 50, but I'm talking about you young people. Have you ever spent over 40 minutes on a computer? In a week? In a day? Some of you spend over 40 minutes in an hour on the computer. So don't tell me I preach so long that you can't listen. How many is ever sitting in the bleachers pouring down rain? I mean, ice cold. Grandsons out there throwing touchdowns at Northwest High. And you're sitting there freezing to death, but you wouldn't leave until Junior throws one more. Say amen. You say, you preaching against me watching my grandchildren? I got, no, I got more sense than that. Amen. I don't run all of y'all. I used to do it all the time. 
My kid was out there. Daddy, loudmouth daddy was there. They playing basketball. I was there. I'll never forget when we went to Tennessee Temple Academy. I don't know why in the world we went to another state to a Christian school, but it was worth it because it had a good school then, a real good school. It didn't go liberal like the college until it folded. <laughs> but, uh, man, we had four kids. No, two kids. That rings a bell. Two kids that, uh, that were in basketball. And they wanted to develop them, so they played them on junior high, junior varsity that started at four, and then they got to play varsity or sit the bench, may I say, at seven. And so we'd drive up there 35 minutes, and we'd watch them play at four, and then we'd have to go find supper somewhere if we could champ, usually it's a hot dog. And then, praise God, they might sit the bench the rest of the evening until about 9 o'clock. And then we'd say, boy, that was a long five hours. And then we'd do it again and do it again and do it again. Why? My kids play it. Praise God, what do you want me to do? Let them play by themselves? I mean, I was there cheering them on. And I want to tell you something, friend. The time flew by most of the time because I was interested. Because I was cheering for that one person that I love so much. I'm not interested in ball games if I don't know somebody. I wish some of y'all would invite me to your kids' ball games. I'd like to watch them. I'd root for them. I'll never forget one time I went to Canaan Land Baptist Church with Jim Cudd, and he embarrassed me to death. He's the loudest mouth I ever saw. I hope you're listening. I mean, he was the loudest mouth in that gym. And I want to tell you something. That umpire must have been, this must have been his first day because he was terrible. And I was sitting there minding my own business about that time. Brother Jim let loose with this loud. I mean, Grant Jenkins was playing and Jim Cudd Jr. was playing and we was killing him by 84 points. But he was just letting it rip. Hey, Ralph, you need to get your glasses. And I thought, Lord, God, calm it down. Amen. And I thought we was, going, we was both going to get kicked out of a Christian school gym. But he was in it, amen. And we won by 85 points. And Jim and Grant scored all the points, amen. The other little guys just running around trying to pick up the ball. Don't tell me we don't spend a lot of time on what we love. Most people come to church, it's countdown to noon. Most people are like the Hesters. They start thinking about flocos about 15 to 12, amen. That's where I ate today, it was good. Ezra and Nehemiah and their people had revival, spiritual vitality, because they came to hear from heaven. They didn't come for a concert. Say amen right there. They didn't come for a program. They didn't come for religious duty. How many people come to church because they feel like they have to? Well, God help you if you just have to be here. They came to hear the word of God. They were there to let the Holy Spirit use the word of God to change their life. Now, I've never had that happen in a ball game. And I'm not going to compare it to that. I've never had that happen during a movie. I mean, you know, sometimes when I watch old Yeller and he's dying, I get a little tear, you know, it changes my emotion and I feel sorry for old Yeller. But I don't, I don't even know what that movie's all about, do you, amen? <laughs> Folks, we're interested in what, you know, if you leave church when people are getting saved, people are getting right with God, you are interested in what you wanted, not what God wants. God wants lives to be changed. We ought to be persevering in prayer. We ought to be thankful that somebody's responding. And we ought to hang in here and pray through 
that God would save one more. Amen. Amen. Folks, there was a devotion to the Word of God. And I appreciate the way you listen. That's why I preach so long. Y'all listen so good. Y'all want me to cut it short? Just start yawning. There's one right there. Not now. But number three, the decoration of the Word of God. And I'll close right here. It says, And Ezra the scribe stood up with a pulpit of wood, which had been made for the purpose. And praise God, he preached. He preached. And folks, all these other guys with these weird names, they stood with him. Leaders standing all over the place. The wall had just been built. A miracle had just taken place. And what did they say? Let's go party. Let's go celebrate. They said, no, bring me the book. Preach the book. Proclaim the book. Declare the book. And they stood to attention from early morning to midday. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you see a church that's experiencing revival, it's because they got a spiritual Ezra that stands and declares the word of God that will change your life. God brings spiritual vitality to people that love the declaration of the word of God. Preachers used to say the Bible says. Now they say the church says. And some and folks later on, liberals say, it seems to me. And folks, it doesn't matter what it seems to you. Listen to this. People are not interested in Christ of our imagination, but the Christ of God's revelation. Preach the book. God's word is powerful. It's profitable. It's proven. It's reliable. It's relative. It's revolutionary. And we ought to declare the word of God to our neighbors. We ought to declare the word of God to our children. And I'll just say this, and this sounds a little odd, but we ought to declare it to ourselves. Amen? You ought to preach to yourself often. You ought to just flat out quote the scripture with authority against the devil to yourself. Amen? You ought to meditate on the word of God. Ruminate it. Declare it because it meets every need. It's like milk to the hungry. It's like a lamp to the lost. It's like a mirror to ourself. It's a mold of Christ's likeness. God's word is a sword for our defense, for the defenseless. It's a hammer to the weak. It's correction to the wrong. It's truth to the confused. The word of God to his children are direction and correction. And I don't know about you, but I need all the direction I can get in these last days. Amen. And I sure need a lot of correction. Don't say amen, Miss Connie. I need a lot of it. And folks, I want to tell you something. Just step on my toes. Just do it in love. Praise God. And walk in the way of correction. And I'll thank God for you. We're not here to pussyfoot around. We're not here to entertain. We're not here to pass the time. And we're not here for some religious ceremony. You ever been in a Catholic church? God helped those folks. I went, I'm sorry. I, I, went to a, I went to a funeral one time and I thought we were all gonna be in the casket before it was over. They were speaking some language I didn't even understand. They were doing a bunch of Hail Marys and penance and all kinds of stuff. I think they were trying to pray him out of purgatory. He's already in hell or heaven, one of the two. It was, already, it was already done. And folks, I want to tell you something, friend. 
that ceremony was so pathetic. Then I went up here to Doug Gap Baptist Church to a friend's funeral, and they preached the NIV and said in, in the house would be many apartments. In, in my house are many apartments. I said, that's the weakest thing I've ever heard in my life. I don't want no apartments. I want a mansion, amen? And God promised me a mansion. And I want to tell you something. He read a few more scriptures, and it was weak as water. It was just as weak as water. There was no reality to it. There was no power to it. There was no comfort to it. Folks, you ought to thank God for the King James Bible and you ought to thank God for an Ezra to stand behind the pulpit and preach it and declare it and not apologize for it. God help us. We're not here to have a survey. We're here to preach. We're not here to entertain. We're not here to have a drama. We're here to preach. Philip, Philip left a great revival and went to the Ethiopian eunuch and he preached Isaiah 53 to him personally. Folks, listen. We ought to realize we ought to declare it from the pulpit. We ought to be devoted to it when it's, when it's preached. But folks, we need to declare it to the sinner. We need to declare it to everybody. Folks, it's a personal responsibility to declare the word of God as the inspired God-breathed word. And you know, I really believe this. The reason that track rack is not stripped every weekend because we really don't believe it's got power. The Word of God will change people's lives. What changed your life? What got you under conviction? What caused you to realize you were a sinner? What, what, what happened to make you aware that you even needed to be saved? Somebody, somebody printed page or proclaiming it by the by uh, Ezra on the pulpit, proclaimed to you the word of God. God uses men in this reconciling ministry. But folks, I want to tell you something. It's not men that saves you. God uses men to farm the husbandry and find uh the stones for the building and enlist soldiers and find lost sheep and pick his vineyard. But folks, I want to tell you something. There is one invincible and there's one life-changing element to soul winning that you need to get down and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to proclaim it. And folks, whether they receive it or not, we're to plan it. We're to plan it. There's three instruments involved in and reaching souls for Christ. Number one, it's the instrument of the gospel. Folks, it's the seed. Who in the world would expect a crop that never planted a seed? You would think that farmer had lost his mind. He's just looking over the field. He's sitting on the porch. He's praying for the crop to come in, but he hadn't planted one seed. And folks, the Bible tells us that the gospel is the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's the truth of God's love in giving His Son to die for us. Folks, it is the light of redemption through His shed blood. It is the knowledge of His substitutionary death for us. 1 Corinthians 15.1 says this, The gospel which I preach, that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, 
that he rose again. That's the definition of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this, I have begotten you through the gospel. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power unto salvation. Amen? It's a powerful, powerful tool. Folks, listen, without the proclaiming and declaring, and you don't have to go to people's house and preach to them, just give them the gospel. Carry a Bible with you, and praise God, tell them how to get saved. They need to know. And I want to tell you something, friend. The other day, I planted some grass seed. I got a dog that stomps everything out of the grass, and it's just a big old path. And now it's a big old mud puddle. And I painted my deck. And my wife loves that dog so much, she won't keep the gate shut. She wants the dog to come up to the little French doors and put his little nose up against the glass so they can have a relationship. And my deck is, I'm just griping now, my deck is covered with mud. It's muddy, I wish I'd have painted it mud color. I painted it light gray. But I said the other day, I'm going to plant grass. I'll fix old Brinkley. I inherited him from my son who couldn't handle him. And I love him. I wouldn't give him back now. But he's big as a deer. But I, 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 I threw these seeds out. I just threw them out there. And then I said, well, I heard somewhere you need to cover them. So I got some hay and I covered all the hay up. And that big old moose called Brinkley, he keeps stomping on that hay and stomping the grass. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been waiting six months, and I hadn't got one sprig of grass come out of that ground yet. But I'm going to say something. I tried something new. I said I heard something about aerating, Brother Andrew. You know about that. And I got a rake. I, didn't, I ain't got an aerator, so I got a rake, and I just started jabbing holes all in it. Just jabbing. I mean, I was working myself to death. Just kept on doing it. Got the holes. Then I said, I'm going to try this again. Got my seed. Threw them in those holes. Put that hay back on there. Moose is still tromping it out. I ain't got one sprig of grass. <laughs> but I want to tell you what would be more ridiculous. I never planted one seed. And I said, come on, grass. Come up. I'm tired of mud on my deck. Come up, please. I'm not looking for corn. I'm not looking for okra. I just want a little grass. Not the kind you smoke either. Praise God. I mean grass on the floor, on the ground, just so it won't be muddy. Not one sprig. And I'd be a fool to say, hey, listen, I'm just going to pray it comes up. But I want to tell you something, friend. We ought to plant the grass, the seed of the Word of God, because I'm going to tell you something. This world is being aerated. I mean, it's being pounded. I'm serious as a heart attack right now, friend. This is the greatest hour to witness you've ever had. I mean, I want to tell you something. People are scared. Rightfully so. People are dying. Hey, friend, people are sick. People can't find any direction in our leadership politically. Are you with me? Are we in the same party? I mean, things are dark. And folks, I want to tell you something. When things are dark and somebody shows up with a flashlight, it's bright. As Brother Blaine said, we go out there with, in the daylight with a flashlight, they're not even going to notice it. But praise God when it's dark. You get one of those 
500 aluminum LED lights. Man, you go out there and it makes a dent in the whole world. Look at that sign out there. I mean, it's bright because there's darkness all around. And folks, this is a wonderful time to plant the seed, to declare it, to take a gospel track. And then the Holy Spirit takes that instrument of the seed of the gospel. And what's the Holy Spirit does? He convicts. He woos. He draws. He reveals Christ to their heart. He performs a new birth. The Holy Ghost does. John 16, 8 says, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. John chapter 3, verse 5 says, Except a man be born again, of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The Spirit of God takes the seed. John 12, 32 says, And if I, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to him. First Corinthians 2, 4, the Bible says the gospel was in demonstration of the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, For our gospel was not coming to you um, uh, in word only, but also in power in the Holy Ghost. Folks, there's a great instrument called the Word in declaring the gospel. But also there's a great power called the Holy Spirit. And then where do we fit in? We're the carriers. We're the strollers. We're the sowers. We're the, car- we're the vessels. We're the ambassadors. The Bible says we're laborers together. Go ye and teach all nations. You're witnesses. You're a debtor ready to preach the gospel. House to house, door to door. Wish we'd get back to that. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We are the instrument. The seed is the gospel. Praise God, the Holy Spirit does the work. I want to close by saying this. We have a God-given responsibility to spread, to plant, to sow, the water, God gives us the increase. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God. Folks, when you sow the seed, He impregnates the heart. When you water the seed, He gives life to it. You cannot do that. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can bring life. Hey, when you fertilize, that means when you're there to love them when they're hurting, And you're there to help them when they're confused. He causes it to grow, the Holy Ghost. When we dig around, the Holy Spirit purges it, prunes it. When we weep, the Holy Spirit ripens. When we go, He accompanies. When we tell the story, He rings the Holy Spirit conviction. When we declare the good news, Holy Spirit draws. When we plead, the Holy Spirit woos. When we pray, the Holy Spirit empowers. And when we draw the net, we give the invitation. Thanks be to God, He gives the spiritual birth. Amen. You don't save anyone. But praise God, you can be a carrier, a spreader, a sower of the gospel. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That means the joy of hearing the Word of God, responding to the Word of God, being obedient to the Word of God, and letting the Word of God use your little old life 
is the strength. It's the joy. And you'll come back rejoicing. The Bible says, and he that goeth forth weeping, bearing what? Precious seed shall doubtless come again. That's the faith. Rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. I'll never forget Gordon Carpenter where I got this thought about day by day. He talked about a guy that had been prayed for a long time and he never would listen to the gospel. One day he was out shooting some squirrels, I believe it was. I've never been able to shoot a squirrel that, that moved too quick. But he shot up in the tree and he hit a hawk nest. And that hawk nest, it was a shotgun, I believe. Well, you don't shoot squirrels with that, do you? But anyway, it blew apart, and a little piece of paper floated down at his feet. He told this is the truth. I believe it. Gordon Carpenter wouldn't lie to a bunch of men in Sand Mountain Bible Camp, I'm sure. And he picked up that little piece of paper, and handwritten on that little piece of paper, it said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. That man had been witnessed to. That man had been prayed for. And he read that verse. And out there in those woods, he fell on his knees, trusted the Lord as his Savior. And after he got saved, he became one of the leading missionaries in Taiwan and spread the gospel around that whole country because of one verse, accompanied with many verses probably, and the Holy Ghost using the Word of God. I want to challenge you tonight to declare the Word of God. Yes, have a desire for it. Praise God. Have a devotion to it. I mean, when you're here, listen. When you're here, don't come to leave. But when you're here, come to let God's Word change your life and be devoted to it. Open to it. Honest with it. and Let God work in your life. And then don't let it stay there. This is the joy of the Lord right here. Go out and plant it to a lost and dying world. Folks, listen. The world is being plummeted by the rake. There's holes everywhere. I mean, friend, listen. The world's in a bunch of mud and, 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 and confusion. And I mean, they feel like they're stepped on. And they feel like there's death on every corner. And, they, and they, they, they're finally thinking about eternity for a change instead of their little old self. And you come and give them a gospel track. You plant the word of God. You share the plan of salvation. You just don't know what's going to happen. But I guarantee if you have faith, you'll doubtless come again. Bringing your sheaves with you. Amen. I thank God for the power of the word of God. It seems like yesterday I was knocking on sugar department. Me and Danny Tucker, he'd just become a deacon. And I told him, I said, Brother Danny, you go visit with me. The friendliest people in the world live in Dalton, Georgia. I was stretching the truth. Knocked on the door. The guy started cussing. He said, you're the fourth blooming blankety-blank people that's come by this place. And I didn't know every bus route came by sugar departments. Had no idea. And I remember he's come to the door, told us all, Scared the hound out of me, and Danny backed up about five feet. And I remember I had a track in my hand, and just, I guess I was showing off. I don't know what I was doing, but I said, Here, take this. And I threw it in the door. 
And I remember he slammed it real high. I don't want your propaganda. He called about three weeks later, crying. He said, Brother Wayne, I need to apologize to you. I said, sir, i got so many people hurt me lately. Which one are you? He said, I'm the guy that slammed the door on your foot. and You threw in that piece of paper. The night I got baptized at Bible Way Baptist Church, Bobby Ballou was my pastor, and he baptized me. And he said before I got baptized, if I had an all against anybody, I've never heard this, I think it's a good idea, go and apologize to him. He said, I owe you an apology. He started crying. Will you accept it? I said, what do you mean? He said, I've slammed the door in your face. I said, well, how did you get saved? He said, I got up at 2 o'clock, thirsty, and I saw that pamphlet on the, Lord, on the Lord's supper table, on the coffee table, and something told me, something, it was someone, I need to read that thing. And at 2 o'clock, I read it, and it sort of bothered me. I said, man, I, that's what I need. So I went back. About 4 o'clock, I woke up again, had to go to the restroom. And he said, I went by that table and saw that track. I said, I'm going to read it one more time. Then he said about 6 o'clock, I, could, I still couldn't sleep. I know why. Something told me to go read that piece of paper. And he said, I read that piece of paper. I fell on my knees. And that morning, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. Tonight, I got baptized. I joined Bible Way Baptist Church. Would you please forgive me? I said, I sure will, buddy. God bless you. I wanted to say, why didn't you come to our church? No, I didn't. I said, thank God for you. You stay in your church and you live for God and you grow, amen. Folks, I want to tell you something. You never know, you never know what planting the gospel will do. We are to be desire the word of God. We are to be devoted to the word of God. But we are to declare the word of God to everyone and even across the seas. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the privilege handing out a tract this week. Lord, I pray that everybody take at least three tracts. I challenge everybody. I challenge myself. God, I'll preach a funeral. I need to hand out tracts. I need to witness to the undertaker. I need to give the uh, people that work around there that dig the grave a tract, the gospel tract. Lord, I need to be faithful. Not just because I'm a preacher. Because I'm saved. And your message touched my heart. And your message changed my heart. And God, I'm going to heaven instead of hell. Because somebody cared enough, a dear godly Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Massey, Brother Luther Nance, Brother Lawrence, Brother Billy Kelly, Brother Danny Manning, all my Sunday school teachers when I was a little kid planted the gospel seed in my heart. And Lord, I thank you that it was not in vain, but I got saved as a very young teenager, as a junior boy, because somebody thought enough of me to give me the life-changing message of the gospel to declare it in your Sunday school class and declare it, oh God, from the pulpit. Thank you, Lord.
people that believe the word of God enough to declare it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know we're all convicted tonight because we're none of us witness enough. It's like none of us pray enough. None of us witness enough. And maybe the reason is we forgot how powerful the word of God is. Somebody's looking for the seed. Somebody's got holes all in their life. Somebody's beat down, confused, scared to death, and scared of death. And they need somebody to come along with a smile, love in their soul, and declare the Word of God day by day. How many say, preacher, tonight, God has spoken to my heart about the opportunity of a lifetime, 2021-2020, of declaring being devoted to the Word of God enough to plant the Bible, the Gospel, in somebody's soul before it's too late. And I want to be that instrument. I know I'm not the Holy Ghost, and I'm certainly not the life-changing message. That's the Gospel. But I'm an instrument, and I can hand out a track. And I want you to pray for me that I'll do just that. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to raise mine. There's somebody that wants the truth and the truth will set them free. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for each person here. And God, help us, Lord, as in the days of Nehemiah's revival, to have a revival back to the Bible, to have a revolutionary desire and a devotion and a declaration in our soul to the Word of God. And with the Word of God, it'll be the joy of which will be the joy of our strength, the strength that will strengthen our soul, knowing that somebody's going to get saved, somebody's marriage is going to be saved, somebody's life's going to be saved. God, help us this week to be faithful, to plant the gospel in somebody's heart. In Jesus' name, amen.